if you feel like you woke up in a fog this morning, there's a couple of possibilities there, I guess. Maybe you partied just a little much, or maybe you live in western Nebraska. But that's going away, and the things should be clearing up. I can see clearly now in North Platte. That's good. That's what they say. It's still a little hazy in yeah, some locations. Yeah. It, was, you... it was really weird, because Susan out by Columbus said she couldn't see across the yard. Really? It looked bad in... Um, Aurora, Grand Island was fine until Odessa, and then, then there was fog. Yeah. So anyway, it it's, it's all lifting out of there now, so we don't have a, a big uh, bad problem with that. And we do have heat moving back in, so got that little reprieve. Hope that you're planning to stay cool, calm, and collected for the weekend. This is the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. Dirk Christensen with you here, and we turn it over to Jesse Harding. Well, talking about the weather, I'll skip to the 1219. Paul Perkins is going to be joined with Stoney Cooper from UNL, uh, filling in for Al Dutcher this week. And Stoney says heat and humidity will continue. It will pose concerns for livestock, but there is hope for some rain coming up next week. Jumping back to the 1213, we'll have a little bit of information about the Central Platte NRD, who is going to discuss changes to their groundwater management rules and what that will look and what day they plan on doing that. For the newsmaker, Shaley Peters is out in Denver for the NCBA mid-year meeting, and she's going to be joined with Jennifer Houston. She's the 2017 NCBA vice president. They talk about what policy is being covered at the meeting in the new traceability study that they have started. And then today is Friday, so that means for the 117, we have the latest Fridays in the field program. I am joined with Deb Gangwish. She is the co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G Operation is located out of Shelton, Nebraska, here in South Central, part of the state, and they are going to give a crop update. It's the second driest June oh. on record since they started doing this in like 1895. So they've been running pivots for a while, and they also have some western bean cutworm issues that they plan on taking care of either today or um, this weekend. So we'll talk a little more about how crop is going here in the south central part of the state all right we'll look forward to it jason jorgensen well you came through you did have a big announcement yesterday yeah we did that uh the rural radio network and flagship station 880 krvn home of the lopers on our sister station the uh, lexington Kearney area and 93.1 the river so we're excited about that for loper sports our first broadcast will be on august 31st we had a we had a big celebration here in the studios and they we had loper blue mm-hmm. cookies yep okay and that frosting was delicious i took one home but i got it into my hot car oh. and by the time Ooh. i was done with that i could have auditioned for blue man group. really <laughs> well i had one and then i was told by some it's a good thing you already had all your tv stuff done because now your teeth are blue Uh-oh. so True enough I, I had but the cookies were good and yep. it was a great day True blue. for the network so we'll touch on that also we'll talk about wimbledon roger federer he's in the semis Right now, he's up one set to none. Very good. Bob Brogan on business. U.S. stocks are edging higher in trading, so we're watching that situation. Banks were lagging the rest of the market today. Also, uh, retail sales uh, fell last month. We're uh, keeping that in mind. Inflation is being kept in check, and business inventories and factory output rebound those are some of the things that we're keeping an eye on all this and more today on midday 
This would normally be weather. I have a feeling it's going to stray somewhat, <laughs> though, because we have a very special guest in the studio at the moment, Dave Thorell. Nice to see you. How the heck are you? I'm good. We've been cleaning out my mom's house. Yeah. You know, if You're you had finally, organ huh? <laughs> organ music playing behind here, uh-huh. we'd have more listeners. Uh, and I don't know any songs, so you wouldn't have to worry about BMI Average Camp because there are no songs. That's true. But, oh, my mom just <laughs> collected. She passed away. We're cleaning yeah, out the I'm house. I'm so sorry to hear that. But my question is... If the drought-busting rain comes on Eclipse Day, and it's rainy and windy and cloudy, will they postpone the eclipse? I certainly hope so, but I think we need to talk to our chief forecaster. <laughs> A lot of money is riding on it. We may, we hope so. Huh? There's supposed to be thousands of people in the state. Yeah, I, I've heard... It, I've talked to people in Kearney, they're talking thing in, in this, an additional 25,000 people, an additional 15,000 people in Ravenna. You know, I've that's heard just half a million surface. in the state. Yeah, and they're, they're talking traffic congestion yeah. problems maybe on the interstate. Even so. on the gravel roads, too. Yeah, exactly. Get wow. get your good spot to see it. So One other quick thing. I'm just uh-huh. here to eat pie. <laughs> Jesse made me promise I'd come by and buy her pie at the fair. And we do have some cookies, too. So Oh, good. Yeah. Well, congratulations <laughs> on that for the rural radio network and, and yeah dave thorell's wearing his loper blue loper to celebrate blue? it yeah. for today <laughs> yeah if we were on if we were in color everybody could yeah. see that <laughs> i'm sorry to interrupt it's good to talk to folks again yeah Not good to have you by here dave <laughs> yes Stop bring some rain the next time yeah. absolutely you, you should be in this chair by the way <laughs> we, we, you know we saved all of the dave thorell memorial hotkeys <laughs> i i uh dream about this but i never know how to run this stuff <laughs> when i dream about it <laughs> did metro loomis get a good rain the other yes, night yes uh that Over the great. week, I had about an inch. Yeah, that was Hallelujah. a great rain the yeah. other night here, Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. we'll All take right. it. Well, let's give Paul a chance to do a little weather here, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. We do have some humid conditions in place across the area today. High pressure slipping off to the southeast, returning our sunshine, some south winds, and warmer temperatures to the forecast. Lingering low pressure over the southern plains going to keep those thunderstorm chances in the forecast for northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado through at least tomorrow. Not a big chance of some rain. The big story going to be a ridge of high pressure that continues to expand east out of the Rockies through the weekend. That'll keep most of us on the dry side and return some summer-like temperatures. Monday night and Tuesday could see some low pressure approach from the southwest, bring in some thunderstorm chances to Kansas, maybe a slight chance into Nebraska. That high-pressure ridge starts to flatten some later next week. That will allow for some more slight chances of thunderstorms. And Stoney Cooper does talk on that in our weather segment coming up at 1219. We will have a boundary kind of moving in and back and forth over the, uh, the next week to give us those thunderstorm chances. And the heat and humidity, though, is still going to stick around, especially as we head towards about Tuesday. In our long-term forecast, temperature is still forecast to be warmer than normal in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through July 27th. But we do have a change in the precipitation forecast, a change for the better. Near normal to above normal rainfall is forecast for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through July 27th. The better chances of seeing above normal rain, though, will be just to the west and north. Weather factors in the market include intense heat in the northern plains through the weekend and some mixed prospects for the Midwest. In the next several days, very hot weather will persist across the northern plains and much of the west. The southeast and midwest part of the U.S. will experience a temporary reprieve from the heat and humidity with some cold front and a, with a cold front and some rain. Only scattered light rain will affect the plains in the Midwest. 
heat in the northern plains, worsening the effects of drought. We're 73% of North Dakota experiencing drought, 72% of South Dakota, and 45% of Montana. Crop losses layer likely, especially the spring wheat that it's in its worst condition in almost 30 years. Some mixed conditions in the Midwest include scattered rain and more seasonal temperatures in the next few days. The exception, the eastern Midwest, where heavy rain early in the week maintains some unfavorable conditions. The Midwest expected to also turn hotter and drier in the 5 to 10 day period, especially in the south and west, but more moderate temperatures and showers expected in uh, crop areas of north and east Iowa and also into Minnesota and points to the east. Midday Ag Weather Birth presented by uh, Holdridge Irrigation. See, you get the old pro in here. Yeah. That makes me fall apart. <laughs> you want that script there, Dave? <laughs> there you oh, go. There we are. So let's get the official uh, word on, uh, I think it's, what is it, any rain is something? That's right. And something is something. You never forget something. that. We'll take it. So here is uh, Dave Thorell, who is going to exit us and do a cannonball for us. <laughs> See ya! Taking a look at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is into the second day of their summer meeting in Denver. We go to Shaley Peters for an update. Committees had meetings both yesterday and today to look at all different aspects of policy affecting cattlemen. Jennifer Houston, 2017 NCBA Vice President, says with the new administration rolling in this past six months, they're excited about new opportunities. We're finally getting to play a little offense and work on the issues that our members brought forth that are important to us. Whether it's endangered species, uh, we're getting some work. We're talking uh, to U.S. Fisheries and Wildlife, finally, and, and getting the people to talk to us. The White House is talking to us. There's people at the White House that understand agriculture because of the backgrounds they came from. So whether it's um, you know tax tax reform that we continue to work on, hopefully after health care gets out of the way, tax reform is the next thing. Um, we continue to talk about the farm bill and getting ready for the next farm bill and the need to have a robust, robust foot and mouth disease bank. Lots of things that we feel like we're actually making forward progress rather just playing, you know, stop, don't hurt us any longer. Find all of our NCBA coverage by visiting ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. Changes to the Central Platte Natural Resources District groundwater management rules and regulations will be discussed by the Board's Water Resources Committee on July 27th. The proposed changes would combine and update the rules and regulations for all the district's groundwater management programs into one document, including fully and over-appropriated water quality, water quantity, and chemigation programs. Other specific changes include changes to cease and desist enforcement procedures, removal of the 2-inch 10 irrigation rule, removal of the sections refencing wells and irrigation runoff procedures. And more information about this meeting can be found by visiting rollradio.com. Farmers and ranchers that have say that they have until August 1st to enroll in the agriculture risk coverage or the price loss coverage programs for the 2017 crop year. These programs by USDA trigger financial protection for participating agriculture producers when the market forces cause substantial drops in crop 
crop prices or revenues. Covered commodities include but are not are limited to barley, corn, grain, sorghum, lentils, soybeans, sunflower seed, and wheat. More information about the programs and the full list of commodities covered you can be found by visiting your local FSA office or to contact them. The Nebraska Agriculture Youth Council presented its highest honor, the Nebraska Agriculture Youth Institute's Award of Merit to Dr. Steve Waller from Lincoln during the annual NAYI banquet, which was held on July 12th in Lincoln. Waller is a former dean of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's College of Agriculture Science and Natural Resources. Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Greg Ibaugh says, and I quote, Dr. Waller has an extensive positive connection with youth interested in agriculture. He has taught, advised, and worked alongside countless UNL students, encouraging and guiding them through their ag-related coursework and career choices. He is very deserving of this honor, end of quote. And entries are now open for the 2017 Kansas 4-H Livestock Sweepstakes schedule for August 19th through the 20th in Manhattan. The event is hosted by the Kansas State University Department of Animal Science and Industry. More can be found by visiting the K-State Youth Livestock website. That's a look at agriculture information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. It's time to get the latest on the upcoming weather picture. We check in with Stoney Cooper, who maintains the network of weather stations for the Nebraska State Climate Office. Stoney, dryness is still a concern for many areas right now. Yes, it's always good to hear of chances of rain when parts of your listing area has had mounting drought conditions in the middle of the growing season. With the July 11th drought report, an area from northwest Iowa to southeast Iowa has seen expanded drought conditions along with deepening dry issues in southwest Nebraska, northeast Nebraska, and most of South Dakota. Looking at the week ahead, though, hopefully some relief is on its way. Throughout the entire week, we expect to see an upper-level ridge in place over the Great Plains with a wasting weak boundary that will transition back and forth from north to south across the area. This weak boundary will create a focus for thunderstorm development that will mostly produce rain, although strong winds can sometimes accompany these nocturnal events. Starting on Saturday, we see lows starting off in the 60s through much of the Great Plains, except for 70s in southeast Kansas with the higher dew points. Some areas of southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas could have been seeing thunderstorms in the overnight on Friday, with that continuing throughout the day on Saturday. Unfortunately, most precipitation chances will be in the southern half, accompanying highs in the 80s. Elsewhere, though, hot. From eastern Nebraska panhandle east across the southern half of South Dakota, highs will be well over 95 degrees. Sunday should be a dry day, except for very southwestern Kansas. Lows in the 60s throughout, except in southeast Kansas, where lows will only dip down to 70, highs in the high 80s in Kansas and southern Nebraska and well over 90 north. Monday may see a switch in the chances of precipitation with the highest probability in northern Nebraska and South Dakota. Lows will be warmer with the higher dew points, making in the 90s throughout the plains. Tuesday's forecast shows a continuation of the ridging over the Great Plains with chances of rain mostly across South Dakota and eastern Nebraska. Lows again will be in the upper 60s and low 70s with the high dew points. Be careful working outside as these dew points mixed with the highs in the upper 90s across much of the listing area will make for a heat index well over 100. The cattle comfort index shows well over 100 degrees is expected from around Imperial up to Arnold Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday we'll see the heat shift south 
with some relief coming to South Dakota and northern Nebraska with highs in the 80s and a chance of precipitation at or over 50%. Thursday continues the trend as cooler temps march southward, with much of Kansas and southern Nebraska seeing the lower 90s, mid to upper 80s north, and a continued chance of rain for the area along the Nebraska and South Dakota border from Valentine East into Iowa. Finally, Friday is forecasted to see a return of the heat, but tempered with some chances of rain from the Nebraska panhandle across central Nebraska to southern Iowa. Hopefully by this time next week, most folks will have seen some precipitation. Al Dutcher will be back then, and he can give you a forecast based on his dog's horoscope for the following week. All right. Thank you very much, Stoney. A lot of times we always see these big heat spells at the end of July, and then things kind of turn around as we head towards August. Any signs of that happening this year? Well, the Climate Prediction Center is indicating that August should be a little bit cooler than we're currently experiencing in July. However, I, I want to temper that with the fact that the Climate Prediction Model wants to bring temperatures back to normal. So if you have a, a warmer-than-usual July, the model tends to want to bring August cooler just so that you hit a normal throughout the entire summer. I would be a little bit careful with that and temper that with the idea that August may not be as cool as early indications have led us to believe. That was Stoney Cooper of the Nebraska State Climate Office. I'm Paul Perkins on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, college and high school volleyball action is returning to the Nebraska State Fair as the second annual Bill Marshall Classic returns on Friday, August 25th, and Saturday, August 26th. Hastings College is welcoming Oklahoma City University, Columbia College, and the College of Coastal Georgia. Joining the Broncos for volleyball and GI will also be more than 23 high school teams from across the state. Well, baseball is returning from the All-Star break today with a full slate of games. And it's also a big day at Wimbledon. Marin Cilic has advanced to the Wimbledon final for the first time since beating Sam Querrey in four sets on center court. The seven-seeded Croatian finished the match with 25 aces and won 88% of the points on his first serve. He is awaiting the winner of today's second match as Roger Federer leads that match one game to none and is up 6-5 to five in the second. Well, Tim Tebow hit the first game-ending home run of his pro career last night, lifting Class A St. Lucie over Daytona. Tebow says it was his first walk-off homer since the district title game of his junior year. Former Florida quarterback did not play his senior year in order to focus on football. He's starting to figure things out. He has hit safely in 11 straight games and is hitting 327 with St. Lucie. Three-time defending champion Alabama has picked to win the SEC title again in the preseason media poll. Alabama was the preseason choice of 217 of the 243 people who cast ballots. The only other school to receive as many as 10 votes was Auburn. The predicted order of finish in the West has Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Mississippi. Georgia is a favorite in the Eastern Division. And speaking of Mississippi, it continues to be a tough summer for that football program. There continues to be one investigation after another. Head coach Hugh Freeze at this week's SEC Media Days says the team is trying to put that subject out of sight. We can't control a lot of things that, uh, that occur. Whatever is occurring out there has zero bearing on their opportunity to get a degree. It has zero bearing on their opportunity to develop themselves as the best player they can be. And it has zero effect 
on them developing themselves into the best man they can be. In addition to facing nearly two dozen NCAA allegations over recruiting violations, Freeze and other university officials became defendants in a defamation of character and breach of contract lawsuit filed yesterday by former Ole Miss coach Houston Nutt. And a number of kids from the region will be involved in this weekend's National High School Finals Rodeo. That event is taking place in Gillette, Wyoming. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dave Schroeder. Clear skies tonight, lows in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A gymnastics coach accused of producing child pornography in Nebraska has been arrested in Kansas. 27-year-old James Bryce Fogg was arrested in Emporia, where he'd moved for another coaching job that he's since quit. A Nebraska arrest warrant lists a felony charge of manufacturing child pornography. Lyon County jail records show he remained in custody today. Police say a woman who'd had a relationship with Fogg reported that he'd photographed and videotaped females without their knowledge at Premier Gymnastics in Omaha. Police reports say he'd recorded images of a 14-year-old girl and a 22-year-old woman in private compromising positions without their consent. Premier says Fogg hasn't been employed since April. Nebraska State Patrol Carrier Enforcement Officers conducted a special enforcement of commercial motor vehicles in Lexington yesterday. Trucks were inspected for laws pertaining to weight, size, registrations, and permits, along with proper driver's licenses. Sergeant Mike Madem says their ultimate goal is to create safe roadways. And it's our goal uh, to try to mitigate that as much as we can. Uh, through these inspections, through contacts with drivers, and uh, just make everybody aware of the need to maintain not only equipment, but driver fitness, we call it as well, making sure driver's licenses are proper and that drivers are following the rules. There were 18 inspections conducted, resulting in the discovery of 41 violations and four vehicles taken out of service. In addition, three drivers were taken out of service for no commercial driver's license, false log, and no hazardous materials endorsement. Records show that a tractor-trailer driver who caused a deadly multi-vehicle crash in eastern Kansas was fined three years ago in Missouri for operating a commercial vehicle without proper brakes. The Kansas City Star reports a Kansas Highway Patrol Lieutenant Dan Smith says the agency is preparing a report on the fiery Tuesday pileup for the Leavenworth County District Attorney's Office, which will determine whether to file charges. A new 160-megawatt wind farm in northeast Nebraska is expected to boost wind power to about 40% of the Omaha Public Power District's electricity generation by the end of 2019. OPPD President Tim Berg told the Utilities Board of Directors that Nextra Energy Resources will build the Shoals Wind Energy Center in Wayne County. Berg says the utility will purchase electricity generated from the farm. We want your news, video, and photos. Tip us under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. From Denver for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Summer Meeting, I'm Shaylee Peters, and I visit here today with Jennifer Houston. She is the 2017 NCBA Vice President, but you're going to be talking to us about 
some uh, the policy side of things here, Jennifer. Um, why don't we just jump into, this is a bit of a unique setting. It is a national meeting, but states bring forward a lot of what they're working on as well. Talk about some of the, the conversations, what is surrounding a lot of the discussion here at this year's summer meeting. Okay, we, uh, we call this our summer business meeting for a reason. The states have they developed the issues that they have in their state and if they feel strongly enough that they need to be discussed nationally they bring them here through the appropriate policy uh, committee such as animal health well-being, live cattle marketing, tax and credit, uh, public lands, property rights, environmental management, uh, all of these different committees work to form policy and this is also the meeting at which we pass our policy so since NCBA is truly a grassroots organization this is how our policy starts. This is how our folks in D.C. get their marching orders. Starts at the state level, comes through our policy committees, and then will be voted on by the full board uh, at the end of the week. Well, and this year especially very interesting because, of course, we had the rollover of administrations. So this past six months leading up to this meeting has just been kind of a wild ride, especially in the cattle industry. Talk about what that's been like, and then moving into the next six months, what you foresee happening here. It has been really refreshing after uh, eight years of really feeling like we were under attack and, and we were always on the defensive. We're finally getting to play a little offense and work on the issues that our members brought forth that are important to us. Whether it's endangered species, uh, we're getting some work. We're talking uh, to U.S. Fisheries and Wildlife finally and, and getting the people talk to us. Obviously, there's not as many undersecretaries in place as we would hope, but that's not a, it's not a fast process. But they are talking to us. Us, the White House is talking to us. There's people at the White House that understand agriculture because of the backgrounds they came from. So whether it's um, you know tax tax reform that we continue to work on, hopefully after health care gets out of the way, tax reform is the next thing. Um, we continue to talk about the farm bill and getting ready for the next farm bill, and the need to have a robust, robust foot and mouth disease bank. Lots of things that we feel like we're actually making forward progress rather than just playing, you know, stop, don't hurt us any longer. One of those issues being traceability, touch on uh, where we're headed with that as well. Uh, we, uh, we've had policy on the books that we, we support as NCBA, a voluntary traceability program, but as the U.S., we do have a mandatory ADT program, so we uh, have started a working group, a, a commission to study to sort of see where our producers are and their, either their attitudes towards traceability, their ability to participate, and, and what would change their minds. So we're just at the very beginnings of that traceability uh, study. We're excited about what it's going to bring us back. Uh, we will be discussing that. It came out of our winter conference as important uh, in a lot of committees. At that time, we were talking about possible access to China. Now we know we have access with a bookend traceability system, but we still think it's important to, to keep on exploring what opportunities, because that's what we want. We want opportunities for all of our producers that want to participate, uh, whether it's China or any other country, or even domestically. You know, how important is it to our consumers? And so that will come up in several of our, certainly cattle health and well-being, and some of our committees will be discussing that as we're here this week. 
And you touched on also, we really, coming in with the, this administration, we do have some players in our court, essentially, that have agricultural backgrounds and really hopefully will help move the discussion forward. Any additional things that, I guess, are really on your radar as uh, we work into not just this first year here that's been so crazy for um, legislation and everything else, but really over the long run, over the next four years with this administration in Washington? I think just bringing common sense back to regulations. I think we're starting, we're seeing that from the top, and I think as they fill the undersecretary positions in a lot of these, whether it's in Interior, uh, EPA, certainly USDA, we were very fortunate in our spring legislative conference in D.C. We actually had uh, the EPA administrator as well as the Secretary of Interior to speak to us. Uh, very unusual that came and talked to cattlemen just face to face and talked common sense. So I think as we go forward, you know, we're hitting the low hanging fruit, but we can continue to make um, inroads our public lands, uh, how we use our public lands, how our public lands are viewed. Certainly an endangered species, that's a long haul of a, a act that's been in place a long time and we've removed very few species. So we're seeing some lot in that before you can list a new species, you have to have a recovery plan. And let's turn back over to states because the states know what's happening in their state a lot better than federal. So there's lots of things and I, I just see great potential as, as this next few years go on for us to really uh, get rid of some overburden, some Regulations. We're the best stewards of our land. Everybody that's in agriculture knows that. And then we know we want consumers to know that too. Thank you so much. Jennifer Houston visiting with us here. She is NCBA's 2017 Vice President from their summer meeting happening here in Denver for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Kaylee Peters. Next, we talk with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe, let's uh, get an assessment here of the cattle trade today. Um, the live cattle and feeder cattle end up higher. Yeah, pretty good. Well, pretty good rally. I mean, it was a quiet day, uh, basically. I mean, we uh, just kind of meandered uh, early, and then uh, as the day wore on, uh, we gained a little bit of momentum on the upside, and we're uh, going to finish a little bit higher. I think a lot of it's due to the fact that the cash uh, uh, continues to be on a firm tone, uh, despite the fact that the uh, cutouts uh, aren't. Uh, another down day there, but uh, you know we're still discounted to uh, the cash trade. Uh, not not uh, as big as it's been in the past, but still discounted, and uh, that uh, continues to provide a little bit of support. And the uh, feeders uh, following suit uh, with some uh, triple-digit gains. But, uh, you know, it was uh, more quiet than uh, busy uh, today in the, uh, in the uh, livestock. Uh, I mean, in the cattle. In the, in the hogs, there's where uh, some of the excitement really began. Uh, we had the uh, second month, August, uh, down uh, over $2, almost uh, approaching limit. Uh, at one time, appears that uh, there is some concern that we are uh, getting a little bit tired in uh, in in the hogs, and uh, cash is not nearly as firm as it has been in the past, and that's caused some concern. We had a sharply lower cutout last night, so uh, we ended up with some selling and some rolling out of the July into the August. Thanks, Joe.
As today is Friday, it is time again for our weekly time again program, Fridays in the Field. I'm Jesse Harding on the Roll Radio Network. With me is Deb Gangwish. She is co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G, located out of Shelton, Nebraska. It's been about five weeks since we talked last. You were a little concerned about the weather, so how has it been? Can you catch us up from the last time we talked? Well, the weather's been pretty much exactly what we thought it would be. Very hot and very dry. And in fact, we were kind of looking at some different weather data, and it this month of June is in the top 25% of the warmest Junes that we've had. And this area in general, south central Nebraska, is about three degrees warmer than normal. And then for precipitation, we are the second driest June on record, which just blew my mind. 1933 was drier, and those records go back to, I believe, uh, 1895. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty warm, pretty dry. How has that affected the growing season thus far? It's been a rat race, keeping up with irrigation, scouting. Uh, the pivots have just been running nonstop, and, uh, and we've really had to, to keep an eye on them. They're all on load control, and so we always seem to have a few issues or things happen when we come off load control where they just don't want to start running again. So the guys have been hopping, and, uh, but we've, we've done pretty good. We did a flyover, and... Uh, Things look pretty even, and vegetative maps are showing, you know, just good growth, and, and we're doing our job. When it comes to the operation up north that we talked about again, you said it's about two weeks behind what it is down here in south-central Nebraska. So can you tell us a little bit on the development levels between the two and where things are standing? Okay, down here around Shelton, about a third of our cornfields are tasseled. Up north, we're about a week behind that. So that two-week delay in uh, leaf budding with trees and, and soil temperatures hasn't translated into two weeks behind with the corn. So we, again, have been just after it day in, day out. As far as beans go, um, we're about a week to a week and a half almost two weeks behind. Um, we're in that reproductive phase here and those beans are just a little bit behind. There's already been concerns in parts of the United States about either diseases or insects. What has it been looking like thus far for you guys? Well, so far we have zero pressure up north. We know that's going to change because down south we've had uh, western bean cutworm issues. In fact, we've got two fields at threshold which will be uh, taken care of as soon as possible. We expect other fields to need treatment and reach threshold as well. And expecting that same pressure up north maybe a week to two weeks later. So we'll be ready for it. But um, other than that, we have been, I used the word last time, blessed. And as we are looking towards the future, it'll be about another five weeks until we talk to you again as we're getting into August. That's getting closer for your seed corn harvest dates. So as we look to anticipate what the next five weeks will be, what is that going to look like? Well, the next five weeks, again, we'll be looking for disease, watering. It looks like it's going to be hot and dry again for the next month to, to six weeks. Um, so we'll keep the pivots going. We've had disease issues later in the season, and I expect we will this year. You always pray that you don't, but um, we'll keep things running. And seed harvest should probably start. Typically, it's the week before Labor Day, somewhere in there. To see this week's video of Fridays in the Field with Deb Gangwish, co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G in South Central Nebraska, you can go to RollRadio.com and click on the Fridays on the Field banner. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Joey Nelson on the Roll Radio Network. We're joined by 
John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. The grains trade today saw corn higher, soybeans higher, but wheat turned around and actually closed a little bit lower for Chicago and Kansas City futures. Uh, that it doesn't bode well, I guess, when it comes to the trade, does it? Uh, you know, it's a little reversal of what we've seen. I will say Minneapolis was up a dozen on the day. So I think it's just more of a mixed trade going into the weekend. We also have the harvest uh, kind of underway over in Europe, and I think it sounds like their yields are going to be pretty decent. Um, but I think it's just a, a more of a time thing. You know, I think I'd almost like to see it run down there, maybe test $5 and see what's there, and then come back strong. I'd probably feel more bullish at 5.15 if that would happen first than just hanging out here waiting for it to happen. Um, but I was I was pleasantly surprised as a bull here um, on the trade today. Saw, you know, really good signs of buying. Saw the bull spreads come back into vogue, uh, really short covering uh, the theme all morning as, uh, you know, the forecasts haven't changed much. I mean, I'd like to go take a poll of the area around you and see how everybody's feeling about uh, the weather. Is it any different than it was a week ago? It doesn't sound like it to me. No. But soybeans gained a little footing, at least, after the washout yesterday. Yeah, and I, I, I just think beans, you've got to be ready for those kind of moves. A 40-cent move in soybeans, not saying we need to be ready for it in one day, but you know, corrections of that, that magnitude are gonna, should be expected if you're going to trade a market around $10. So I would expect uh, you know, another run up to 10.30 at some point. I still think those folks who hedged around the 10.30, 10.40 level all winter long are going to get pressured, and I thought it was coming. I really expected us to, to maybe power through that 1050 level and, and maybe make our way up to 11. It didn't happen, but I still uh, I still think it's it's in the cards here to see this market trade higher before it trades lower, even if we have a good crop. You'll s- probably see then the trading range a little larger for soybeans percentage-wise versus corn? Well, on a, on a relative basis, the volatility index should be higher, but, you know, corn's a cheaper product as well, so if you, you've taken a two-to-one or a Two and a half to one corn volatility today was actually higher than than soybeans. So, um, you know, I I think the next two weeks are going to be real wild for corn, and I think we'll steady out as we get towards the end, end part of August. Whereas with beans, I think we'll trade in a pretty good range here throughout the whole uh, rest of the summer, given that beans are made till August. And the forecasts right now aren't they're not friendly in my eyes. I know we're looking at a little more rain, but it doesn't doesn't scream bumper crop to me. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Corn was up six to six and three quarters. Soybeans, 10 to 15 higher. Wheat, just a little bit lower. I'm Dewey Nelson.